Welcome to the Artist Plunge Podcast, a podcast exploring the curious relationship between artists and the other professions, jobs, and experiences that have allowed them to plunge into the art they create. I'm your host, Christy Darnell Batani, and I have to tell you, I'm really enjoying exploring not only the art journeys and artwork of so many inspiring individuals around the world, but also their art words. I don't know about you, but sometimes my good intentions to sit down and read an article or book relevant to my art life and interests falls flat. Suddenly, I'm down a rabbit hole reading about some five-year-old's words of wisdom to his mother that went viral or attempting today's wordle, and before long, I can't remember what I was going to read, and I'm late for whatever's next on my calendar. So these Artish Words episodes have been a nice, focused diversion for me, and I hope they will be the same for you. In today's Artish Words episode, we're going to hear from Tara Lever, an artist, teacher, and creative encourager who lives by the sea in Cornwall. As she says, Tara's approach is to create sparks and springboards with lashings of encouragement. I love it. Tara admits that she is happiest near or preferably in the sea, where she can swim as often as possible. She immerses herself in the multisensory experience of it taking photos underwater, looking and feeling into the abundance of life above and below the waves. Back in the studio, Tara weaves together elements from the photos, memories, and gathered seaweed to distill those experiences into paintings. In addition to her vibrant water-inspired artwork, Tara offers courses in her Happy Artist Studio community, as well as lots of free videos and blog posts that share insights and explorations into the artist experience. Recent topics include how to create a painting collection, why we need community as artists, and why don't I think of myself as an artist. But there was one blog post from a couple years back that really resonated with me and seemed tailor-made for the Artish Plunge podcast. The blog post is titled, Swimming Lessons for Artists, or What Your Comfort Zone Doesn't Teach You. So I hope you remember where you left your swim goggles. Let's shimmy into our wetsuits and head to Cornwall to hear from Tara. Swimming Lessons for Artists I'm thinking that might be my best title ever, although Google probably won't like it. Too clever and ambiguous. You know me, too clever and ambiguous by half. Anywho, if you follow me on Instagram, you may have seen some of my swimming stories, or sea stories as some people are calling them recently. Perhaps inevitably, I've been drawing some interesting parallels between navigating my fears around sea swimming and the all-too-common struggles and fears around art making. Turns out sea swimming is absolutely riddled with useful and beautiful guidance for us as artists. Let's dive in. Hashtag sorry, not sorry. Lesson number one. Don't let supplies be the reason you don't start. What the sea taught me. Start with what you have and it'll soon become clear what you want and need to invest in. When I started swimming down by the rocks with the long-established group of people who swim there year-round, I felt a bit intimidated by my lack of knowledge around what I might need and what might make me look like an embarrassingly overenthusiastic newbie. I did buy a dry robe, handy for getting changed in relative warmth and with a modicum of decency, although it turns out I barely use it while the weather's good. Decency be damned, apparently. But apart from that, I used the goggles, the two swimsuits, the old towels, 
the dorky booties, and the swimming cap I already had. And you know what? That was fine. Okay, my swimsuits are a little more revealing than is entirely necessary for cold water swimming, and the goggles turned out to be useless, and I've since invested in a snorkel, and then a better snorkel, and better goggles, but no one cares what I use or what I look like. Of course they don't, but fears don't care about logic. And more importantly, what I had on day one was just fine for day one. And now, a month and a bit in, I know what I need, really I don't need, and what I'd like to invest in. So I can make my spending choices wisely based on my actual personal and unique experience. As in the sea, so in the studio. Start with what you have and let that tell you what you need. Lesson two. Resistance is part of the deal. What the sea taught me. There's almost always some form of resistance, aka conditions will never be perfect. This is good intel because it means that A, resistance is mostly habitual thought patterns and has nothing to do with the thing itself, and B, if you'll never fully get rid of it, you might as well just carry on. When I'm walking along the prom and it's raining or windy or both, and there's a chill in the air that wasn't there yesterday, or the tide's looking crazy low and seaweedy, my brain is very busy. It's telling me all about how this is insanity. I'll never keep it up all through the winter. And this is likely to be the day that it's a miserable experience because all the essential factors are not in place. And even if they are, I'll think up some new ones. Here's what I do. I use three words and one word. The three words are, I don't know, and the one word is just. When I park the car, I tell myself, I don't know what the sea's actually doing, so I'll just walk to the end of the road where the prom is and see how things look from there. Once I'm on the prom, I tell myself, I don't know what it's like down at the rocks and can't possibly make an informed decision from here. So I'll just start walking towards the rocks and see how that goes. At the rocks, I tell myself, I don't know if anyone's here today. So I'll just go down the side and see who's about. If no one, I'll wait. It's never no one. Then I see the others. I see the water. I remember what it feels like to be in the water and the high afterwards. And I think, well, I'm here now. Might as well get in. And I always get in. And I never regret it. So far, anyway. I'll be testing this lesson hard come October. As in the sea, so in the studio. Get in there and get started by increments. Make a coffee, other delicious beverage, whatever, and decide that you don't know what might be in the cards for today. So you'll just take it into the studio. Once you're in, consider that you don't know whether you'll actually get anything done at all, but maybe you'll just move a few things around, tidy up a bit, and see what happens. You'll probably have some sort of idea at this point, and then it's a case of, well, you don't know if it'll work, but since you've got the materials out, you'll just give it a go and take it from there. Keep just doing whatever next tiny thing comes to you, and before you know it, you'll be swimming, making art. Lesson three. There's always a way in. What the sea taught me. There's never just one way to begin. Except to begin, obviously. 
but there are infinite hows. An extension of lesson two, this works because as artists, we need variation. There are several ways to get into the water from the rocks, two sets of steps, two platforms, and other jumping or climbing possibilities, depending on what the tide's doing and how rough the water is. If one isn't an option, another will be. And if it's altogether too wild at the rocks, there's the harbor. And failing that, the Jubilee Pool, the outdoor saltwater pool next to the rocks. As in the sea, so in the studio. There's always a way in. It's just a case of persevering till you find it. If the way you were making art yesterday does not feel so good to you today, perhaps you were flinging paint about with your whole body and today your energy levels are much lower. Find another way in. Utilize lesson two if necessary, and once you're there, look for alternative doorways to get you into the making. Lesson four, look closer to dissolve the fears. What the sea taught me. The things I fear are often beautiful. It's only their unknownness that triggers the horror stories. When they are no longer unknown, they are no longer as frightening. I have a mortal fear of seaweed. Correction, I had a mortal fear of seaweed. Now I have a mild one. I'm not alone in this. Judging by the responses to my stories, most of us have this fear. Whether it's to do with what's lurking amongst it, fear of being grabbed and pulled down into the abyss, or as in my case, being touched by something I can't see. It's why I wear the ridiculous booties, in part. Minimize the touching. Depending on what the tide's doing, the seaweed can be right there beneath me, or safely far below. It was truly only by getting in there with the scary seaweed, taking my snorkel and camera and precautionary footwear, and realizing that what lies beneath is the most abundant, beautiful, diverse underwater garden. Only then was I able to let go of the vice-like grip of the fear. Not gonna lie, I still don't love being wrapped in strands of underwater spaghetti or accidentally brushing the thick rubbery fronds of the kelp when I'm treading water. But I've swum through the seaweed when the surface is only a couple of feet above it. I've waded, yes, waded through it to touch a huge, non-stinging jellyfish and I've clambered through it to stand on top of the rock I doubted I'd ever reach. I'm not a superhero, or even unusually brave. I'm just someone who really, really wants the bounty. To get to see and be part of all that wild beauty. A sense of achievement. Wild endorphins. Endolphins, as Roger Deakin so brilliantly called them. And some of the most inspiring and exciting reference photos I've ever taken for my art. As in the sea, so in the studio. Sorry to be the bearer of bad news, but if there's something you want, sales, mastery, the courage to share, gallery representation, just to be able to paint what you want without being massacred by inner demons, there is no other way but through. Find support, a knowledgeable, encouraging friend, mentor, or teacher Think of the rewards and get a little closer to the thing you're afraid of. Worth it and works every time. Lesson five, everything has a price. 
what the sea taught me. There's a cost to saying yes and a cost to saying no, which is the higher cost. Might sound harsh, but it's a way of cutting through the crap. One morning, I just didn't go swimming. I didn't even have a good reason. And oh, it came at a price. The price was a foul mood, a smidgen of road rage, extremely uncomfortable antsiness, and an actual physical fizzing inside my body, and a big old rant at someone I love who took it like a champ but did nothing to deserve it. And oh, massive FOMO, or rather, Kimo, knowing I'd missed out. Not ideal. The cost of me not swimming, except on days I actively choose not to, coming up in Lesson 6, is much higher than the cost that is the extra bit of effort required to plow through resistance, violent weather, and fear of what lies beneath. As in the sea, so in the studio. What's the cost of you not getting to make your art? Is it worth it? Lesson six, you always have a choice. What the sea taught me. Choosing not to do the thing is a choice you can make. No judgments on that. And when circumstances choose for you, you can actively choose that too. When I didn't go swimming that day and turned into a ranting monster, I didn't make the choice with any kind of conscious, considered energy. Two days ago, despite getting as far as the slipway down to the rocks, I again didn't swim, and it was a considered, conscious choice. I stood there for several minutes, leaving through my thoughts and feeling until I was clear on what I wanted and what cost I was prepared to pay that day. And then I went home. I felt fine about it. Good, even. It was the right choice, even though I didn't swim, and I didn't regret it, and no one got ranted at. It was a cleanly made decision. As in the sea, so in the studio. You can choose not to answer the call. There's power in consciously saying to yourself, today I'm going to do something else. Even if that's because you have to. Our power lies in our decision to choose what's happening. I'm going to stop there with the swimming lessons for artists today. None of this will be new to you, but my hope is that the ideas offer reassuring reminders or fresh ways to see what is very common experiences to artists and swimmers and humans alike. Oh, thank you, Tara, for this wonderful analogy. You know, truth be told, I am not much of a swimmer. I realized long ago that while I love to be around water, on top of water, beside water, I just don't have a burning need to be in water, other than my Japanese soaking tub, which is heavenly. But Tara's blog post is reminding me of a time when I was forced to dive in, quite literally, and the rewards of doing so. We were on a family vacation on the southwest coast of Ireland. My daughter was young, probably about 10, and we had been having lots of adventures, hiking and horseback riding and poking around on beaches, when one day she spotted a group of people in wetsuits marching off in duck-like formation along the cliffs. What are they doing? She asked. Being a good mom, always on the lookout for an educational experience, I said, well, let's find out feeling pretty sure you would need reservations for whatever it was those nut jobs were doing, and given that we were planning to leave the area the next day, there was no risk that I might have to do it. 
So the wavy-haired Baywatch surfer dude at the guard station informed us that those people were co-steering, a really fun kind of extreme sport that involves wearing a wetsuit and a helmet and jumping off a cliff into the swirling rock-infested ocean below. And lucky us, they had had a cancellation and we could join them on the next expedition going out in 30 minutes. As I turned to head back to the car, to my utter astonishment and slight horror, my husband and daughter both said, great, and headed off to the wetsuit station. So reluctantly trailing them, I too poured myself into a wetsuit and a helmet still smelling of seaweed and found myself hiking along the cliff ridge, looking down into the frothy chaos of the Atlantic Ocean. What on earth were we getting into? Our guide scampered off onto the rocks and indicated that we were to follow. So after rock scrambling for 15 minutes or so, he stopped at the top of a rock formation, lovingly gazing down at the waves crashing against the sides of the cliff and said, here's where we hop in. What? He wanted us to jump off this rock into the frigid sea so that it could bash us against the side of the cliff? Not in a million years. And then, before I could think of all the reasons why this purported sport should be illegal and banned, my daughter had jumped and disappeared over the edge of this godforsaken rock. My one and only child. My brilliant, beautiful daughter was gone, swallowed whole by the gray, churning Atlantic Ocean. And then her seaweed-smelling helmet bobbed up, against the frothing waves, and she smiled and waved before swimming after our guide through the rock formations in the ocean. And all I could think was, my child is going to be sucked into the Atlantic Ocean. I have to jump in and save her. So I jumped. I'm not going to lie. I am a total sissy about cold water. But this, this was frigid cold water that knocked my breath out. As I struggled to return to the surface and my lungs were gasping for air only to be filled with salt water, the waves slammed me into the rocks. Okay, maybe it was just a slight grazing of the rocks, but I'm telling you, it was alarming in the moment. I couldn't tell which way to go and my face was going numb from the cold. And then I saw my daughter and the rest of the bunch heading into a sea cave. So I followed. The entrance was dark and rocky and really narrow and a bit slimy. And I'm a bit claustrophobic, and I started to panic that maybe we would get trapped inside. And then, almost like magic, the rocks opened onto this spectacular cave where the water was tranquil and warm and glowed. I mean, it glowed this surreal shade of turquoise. It was breathtaking. I've never seen anything like it before or since. My daughter and I stayed in the cave longer than the others. Then we headed back out into the thrashing sea, scrambled up the side of the rocks, and repeated the whole experience several more times, exploring other tunnels, caves, and rock formations. I haven't been co-steering again, but I learned a lot about myself and facing my fears from that experience. And like Tara, I think the experience has served me well in my art career, if not life generally. My few lessons learned. Number one, I saw something interesting, exciting, and a bit scary looking. And I moved closer and asked, what is that? Number two, I didn't jump off a cliff into the Atlantic Ocean on my own. 
I let someone with more experience lead the way, and I followed. Number three, I needed someone to give me a nudge. In this case, my maternal instincts kicked in. But in your art, it might be a nudge from a friend or an opportunity that presents itself. Whatever it may be, you heed the nudge. Number four, at first it was cold and scary, and I didn't like it. I felt like I was drowning. I wasn't good at it, and all I could see were the dangers. But then came number five. I found a cave. A calm, warm, magical cave with colors and sounds like I have never seen before. I can still conjure up those colors and sounds and the feeling of being suspended in time in that cave. And that's a bit what flow and art making feels like for me. Well, I'm going to leave you with that cave thought, and that's it for us today. Thank you again to Tara for sharing her wonderful writing. You can find Tara and explore all of her beautiful artwork at taraleverart.com and her wonderful classes and opportunities for students at taralever.com. That's T-A-R-A-L-E-A-V-E-R.com. I hope you find something exciting, unknown, or a bit scary to dive into this week. Remember, you don't have to go it alone. Find a reliable guide, a swim buddy, and don't be afraid of the initial discomfort. Just keep bobbing along until you find your cave. Until next week, stay kind, stay positive, keep swimming. <laughs>